Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden. I'm the Assistant Director here at Continuing Education Workforce Training um, at the College of Technology at Idaho State University. Paul, good to see you today. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, do we dare talk about all the fun, exciting things that are going on in our office right now? Oh, or, maybe, maybe just a little background. Thanks. Little Cur- currently, as we're recording this podcast, we are preparing to move our entire office. Um, <laughs> I mean, not far, just down the hall, but that means everything has to, everything has to go. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite television shows is MASH. I don't know if you've ever oh, yeah. seen MASH. Yes. And, you know, the, I remember there's a great episode where they emphasize the mobile you know, Arby's, you know, or they have to tear everything down and set it up again. And that's kind of what I feel like is going on in our office right now. We're, we're tearing everything down just to set it up back again in, in uh, a few hundred feet down the hall. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, we're pretty so, excited. So yeah, we're excited because uh, we got some new digs going, coming up and, uh, you know, actually a little better space. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what's going on up. Uh, but this podcast is what we're doing right now. Right now, today. And we're excited. We have an awesome guest on the show today, and we're going to have a wonderful conversation. Uh, but with that being said, i got to put one plug. You know, as the guy who does the marketing, i got one plug. Fall registration is open. So please, please, please check us out on our websites. Uh, be, keep an eye out for our catalog um, and be sure to look at our classes. Now, with that being said, Said we welcome Dr. Misha Iqbal to the show today, and Dr. Misha, welcome. And Thank with the magic, and with that magic word, welcome. We all know that we've got to get the show and the clock started. So, uh, Dr. Misha, can you, or Misha, can you please just introduce yourself to a, our listening audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So thank you, Jason. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for uh, having me today here for the conversation. So a brief introduction would be that I started off as a physician and I did my med school back in Pakistan from King Edward Medical University. And so in Pakistan, it is a compulsory thing that when you complete your med school, you are required to do a one-year clinical internship. And so while I was doing that and I was in the surgical department, so I'm just mentioning thing because this is all because of the workshop that we are yeah. on here. And yeah. I want to basically tell how that came up. So -hmm. like I was saying that I while I was doing the internship back in Pakistan in the surgical department. So at that point in time in Pakistan, so suicidal and homicidal bomb blasts, they were like really common, they were rampant over there. Mm-hmm. So I witnessed a lot of victims coming in the emergency department, there were a lot of incidences. At the same time, the other thing was not only there would be a lot of victims, a lot of healthcare professionals would there would be an, a, a huge influx of them. 
So the hospital would be on red alert, all the departments, all the healthcare professionals, they would be called in the emergency department. And one thing I realized at that point in time was that the healthcare system was not prepared to respond to the disasters. Oh. And the capacity of the healthcare professionals, it was awesome. No, no doubts about that. Mm-hmm. But the system was it's- fragile. So the so what you're saying is the people themselves, you know, were ca- more than capable, but they yeah. kept the obstacles and the difficulties. Uh, and I'm just assuming here that we're maybe causing those the response time, whatever, had to do with how the system was set up, how the mechanism itself was working. Exactly, you got that. So the system was fragile; it was crippled. Oh. And at that time, I realized, you know, that I cannot spend my life roaming around a couple of hundred beds or maybe treating a couple of thousand patients during my life course. So it has to be more than that. Mm-hmm. So I stepped, I, I totally left the clinical field and I stepped into public health. And so I joined the Alphan University that was also in Pakistan for training in public health. It was a fellowship degree of five years. Mm-hmm. So that was a very robust kind of training. And, uh, you know, it taught me the principles of public health and the tools of research and practice. So it was in different domains of public health that were introduced, you know, like the, the communicable diseases, the non-communicable, reproductive health, health systems research, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I also got a chance to work with the National Institute of Health of Pakistan as a mandatory requirement, and then with multiple non-governmental organizations, again, in Pakistan. So uh, once I completed my training in public health, I had to move to the U.S. for family reasons. So it's been around one and a half years since I'm here, so I'm still pretty new. Right. <laughs> now, one thing that I realized when I came here was that the public health concerns of a developed country are are massively different from a developing country. So I needed to change my lens, uh, the way I look at the public health issues of the US. I could not really appreciate the issues here. So I joined the Department of Community and Public Health and uh, I joined the Masters in Public Health program. I'm almost done with it. I'm just left with a couple of months. So, and the the purpose that I joined the department was, like I said, to to be able to appreciate the public health concerns of the US. Mm -hmm. And just by now, I feel that just by discussing with people, with the faculty here, it's it's so amazing that, you know, now I'm able to appreciate all the problems, whether it's a developing country or a developed country. What a a transition, right? I mean, you know, coming to the United States out of the environment you were in, and finding a completely different type of, uh, I guess that just says something, first of all, to your ability to kind of, this is the new COVID word, right? To pivot, <laughs> to pivot, right? To get flat, to recognize uh, there's a different way to, yeah. to look at things, but now you've got a, a whole picture that maybe you didn't have yeah, before. I would say that. And now additionally, I also work as a public health consultant with mm-hmm. Ahan University in collaboration with the World Health Organization, uh, WHO, and that's the regional office for the Eastern Mediterranean region countries. Mm-hmm. So a big chunk of my work relates to the Eastern Mediterranean region countries. That's like the North of Africa. Right. And um, so again, most of those countries, not all of them, but most of them are developing like Pakistan. So yes, it was a great shift from the developing world to the developed world like the U.S. Well, I I know we're not uh, here. We we have a specific goal we want to talk about today, but I'm going to just, 
I mean, I warn my audience all the time. My questions are, and I even warned you in the pre-show, you know, my questions are elementary, but let's, can we just talk kind of in the last year and a half, right? With the, the COVID that has had a global impact. I imagine that has given you opportunity to um, see uh, not only probably some of the good things by community public health response, but maybe a lot of the weaknesses across the board, whether they're developed or developing countries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So COVID has certainly exposed all the faulty lines in the yeah. public health domain. And now sometimes I feel that public health was not even given any recognition. People, I mean, this I'm a clinician, or I like to say I was a clinician, and there's always a tussle between the clinicians and public health, you know, like you're not doing anything, you can do this. <laughs> but it's not like that, you know, COVID has made people think that this is an important domain and it has certainly told the world that we were not prepared. And now if you look back, like if you look back around five years, 10 years, so there has been a lot of advocacy at the global level, typically at the global level, for preparedness of disasters. It was not like something we were not expecting. We were expecting this and people have been talking about it and advocating, mm -hmm. but somehow the voice was never heard. Right. Yeah, but now, yeah. you know, we all know it. We now we all know it. <laughs> Which, which puts a lot of, um, and as we go back to, right, the genesis um, and value of the training that you're putting up together here that's coming August 24th. You want to talk about that real quick and just kind of yep. uh, let people know what's happening? Yeah, so uh, basically, um, now, I, like I said, I'm also a student of Masters in Public Health program, and my thesis for MPH was to determine the disaster preparedness and the pandemic preparedness of the people of Idaho Falls and people who live within 50 mile radius of Idaho Falls. So the data collection has been completed. I do not have the finalized results, but the preliminary results say that around 35 to 40% of the people living here are not prepared to deal with oh. any sort of disasters or for that matter, pandemics. Wow. Yeah, so that now, now 35 is, to 40% is not a very small number, right? No, no. So when we had the preliminary results, now me and my supervisor, Dr. Irene Von Warden, so we were discussing that, you know, it's time. Now this is a different era, post-pandemic era that we are living in a time we need to move from just publishing to public health practice. And in order to address that, this workshop was designed. You know, we, we thought we need to do something. If the people are not prepared, then somebody needs to prepare them. And this is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this right. I love that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just I love that comment. Right. It's and 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 I I just I guess I like that idea. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to get. Uh, but you, the point is, people aren't prepared, mm -hmm. and it isn't that we respond to that by saying, "Oh, too bad. We're gonna we're gonna lose or significantly cause harm to 35 to 40 percent of the population." Yeah. No, we have to. We're as a group. We're gonna take responsibility and do what is we can and help people so that we don't have that kind of impact. So, I mean, I'm yeah. just thank you. <laughs> I guess maybe that was a long way of saying thank you for taking that that professional and probably personal responsibility for that. Absolutely. So this is just like a first step in that direction. Mm -hmm. And we intend to, so it's not a very big workshop at the moment. We, uh, we want to address around 70 to 80%, 80 people. So this is how much we are going to cater for, but this is generally the first step. So let's see how the workshop goes. And we do intend 
to uh, replicate it on a larger scale to address the concerns across the state. Mm -hmm. And again, the workshop is for students and healthcare workers. It's not just isolated to either or, right? Yes, that's correct. So yeah. the students of ISU and across all levels, undergraduate, graduate, postgraduate, and then the healthcare professionals who work in Pocatello, in Idaho Falls, or within the vicinity. So basically, if they can come to ISU because this is going to be an in-person training, mm -hmm. so they're more than welcome to join. Very cool. Very cool. So again, that's August 24th. Um, I'm going to, we're going to give the information at the end, but I do just want to say uh, you want to reach out to us uh, on our website at cetrain.isu.edu um, and uh, disaster response. So it's the name of the training is Acute Disaster Response and Preparedness Workshop on August 24th. And um, we definitely want to make sure that people get that information. So uh, there's some interesting things about this workshop. Like number one, where are you, uh, where it's being held is a kind of a neat little opportunity unique to here at Idaho State University. Yeah. So it is going to be held at ISU at DRC. So DRC stands for Disaster Response Complex. And it is a unique facility which has recently been added to the research portfolio of ISU. And yeah, so basically DRC has three main domains that it works on. It's research, it's curriculum, and the last one is training and exercise. So our objective of training the people, it kind of blends with the objectives of DRC. And thus we, we, we were lucky to have connected and collaborated. And it's because of DRC that this is being possible. They're providing us with the platform, with all the logistics, so it's just because of the support and cooperation of DRC, and it's just going to be held in DRC. Right. So this training is not just going to be a theoretical training, but it's going to be a hands-on practice training too, um, dealing with specific scenarios or those types of situations. Yeah, absolutely. So it is going to be a blend of didactic lectures as well as group exercises. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have a lot of experts coming in from Southeastern Idaho Public Health, from INL, and also healthcare professionals, including physicians and uh, the nursing people coming in from Idaho Falls who have a lot of experience in the same field. And they would be carrying out, uh, like I said, exercises as well as lectures. And I think the most exciting component of this is going to be uh, that the people from Idaho, they're also bringing in their equipment regarding uh, the the virtual and the augmented reality. So I'm not sure myself how that works and what all the equipment is, but yes, they are bringing that equipment. So we would be immersing the audience in a virtual, uh, in a virtual uh, disaster or an emergency setting. And they would be demonstrating then, then you know, that what are the specific strategies? What are the specific action points that you need to consider if you are in such a scenario? So I think that would be very interesting for the audience. And it's definitely going to be an interactive workshop. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I kind of want to go back to, uh, you kind of gave, um, and forgive me, I, I, I'm probably prying to just a little too much here, but you, you, somewhere along the line, this became personal for you. Um, maybe would, would the word even be a passion to uh, kind of get involved with the messiness and the, and the uh, disaster? Um, can you speak to that a little bit where this sort of became your field where you kind of chose to pursue? Absolutely. So yes, you 
you correctly used the term personal. So public health is very personal to me. And, you know, I belong to a family of doctors. Now, everybody is a doctor in my family. And even my mom tells me that, you know, we made you a doctor. What are you doing? I don't understand. And she's a gynecologist herself. But yes, I realized that there are a lot of doctors, but this is personal to me because I know that the health systems of the developing world. Now, US is very well developed. If we if we just shut our eyes to COVID and how it responded, otherwise it's doing great, right? Right, okay. <laughs> we just put that in its own little category and pretend it didn't happen and we're great. Yeah, we're fit. yeah how I wish, how I wish. Yeah, and the reason why I say it's great is because I compare it with the developing countries and you have no idea what's going on over there. No, I don't. And the people do not understand what's wrong, what's wrong in the system in itself. And I started, I always thought when I stepped into public health that disaster would be my specific area. And one reason I already told you that I would see how people responded. Now, the other thing is that in 2005, there was a massive earthquake in Pakistan in Azad Kashmir. And so it was around 7.7 magnitude and yeah, around 90,000 people died. It was massive. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. a number I can't even put my head around. You said <laughs> 90, 90,000. 90,000 90, people died. And this oh is my Lord. reported numbers. So my father, like I said, I belong to a family of doctors. So he was the commanding officer of the military hospital over there. And so he was kind of, in, now, army is a very big thing in Pakistan, and it usually takes on the control whenever such crisis happen. So he was kind of in charge and, you know, the, the, he was part of the response team. And at that time, also, it made me think that it's, it's important to treat patients, it's important to give the first aid, but nobody looks at the bigger picture. Everything, such things happen. Now the country is asking for first aid, they're going to the UN, they're going to the IMF. But what's wrong in the system? Nobody addresses that. And it's not that nobody wants to address that. Nobody understands that. So very few people in the developing countries really have that vision to understand the issues of public health. And that's why I thought that, you know, I need to touch the lives of millions, not a couple of thousands. And it, it really does mean a lot to me. And <sighs> the journey has just started. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a long way to go. No, but that was an incredible, inspiring comment. So thank you. So I have a question about the workshop. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, a disaster response workshop preparedness mm -hmm. as well. Um, but what scale are we talking about? Are we talking about a large macro scale or smaller micro scale? Meaning that is this something that um, is done something on the local level or is it done on the state level or um, what kind of exactly are these people prepared to help government officials when a disaster strikes to prepare or is it more of a locally what what are they going to do okay paul i think that's a great question and we need yes. to make that distinction here for the audience so it's at the individual level at the family level now for instance i'm just any random person from the community and i'm in the situation of disaster what do i do am i prepared mm. to it so firstly, we are going to tell the audience what sort of potential disasters are there that can occur in Idaho, and then what sort of preparedness and resilience they need to build before it strikes. So we have a group exercise that talks about what sort of individual kit you need to prepare, what sort of communication plans you need to make. And then once that's like the preparedness component. The other component is response. 
Now, whenever there's a disaster, emergency, any sort of crisis, the people in the crisis are the first to respond and help the other victims. So they are the first line responders, right? The, the, the help does not come instantly from the outside. So we want to teach the basics of response as in, um, as in the, the management of the basic life support, the, the airway thing, how to make the mechanical ventilation work, then field care, then triage. So these are like just the basic principles. So if you are in that situation and you have survived and you're stabilized, how do you help the others so that they also give, they also have a chance to make it to the healthcare professionals. So this is like, basics of how you yourself respond. It's not about the state. It's not about the higher level. It's like at the very basic individual community family level. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, your goals then are, um, are you going back to Pakistan to, I mean, I don't know how to ask that question, but obviously you entered this with a with a mission and a purpose. Right. It, so, what is that? Where where what what's the next step for you on that mission and purpose? Right, right. And I've been asked that question many times. Oh, good. And... So I, <laughs> all right. I don't feel bad that maybe I was out of line there. No, there no, no, no. You're good. Stop crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're fast. Can I just say you 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 personally are fascinating me and and inspiring me today. So thank you. Thank you. So, like I said, that people don't understand the health systems. And I am still on the way to deeply, intricately understand it. Now, I do want to train myself better. I want to do further before I go back to the country and give my two cents. So I want to stay in the US for another, let's say, seven years, eight years, 10 years, so that I take all the essential material, essential skills. Once I've acquired them, then I intend to go back. I don't just want to dive, you know, and, and say, I'm going to do this, but it's still a long way. It's, so, I, yeah. So you're not just teaching, but you're also continuing to learn um, on, yeah. on, on that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So well, you're, you're kind of like getting, developing all these new skills that you can bring back home with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. correct. So right. I'm teaching the undergraduate students and I'm also a research associate uh, working with one of the faculty members and we are working on a project together that relates to uh, assessing nuclear perceptions of people. And uh, like I said previously, so I continue my link with Pakistan as in I work as, a, as an external public health consultant with AKU and with the WHO Ember region. So it's kind of I spread out in all the directions. And uh, like you said, it's just the polishing of the skills that I want to do before I go back. Yeah. Right on. Well, that was the, the magic timer, which always means it, it interrupts somebody at some point. So uh, we we always ask forgiveness for having interrupted that. But uh, Dr. Misha, can you um, just give our audience one last rundown of the details of the event? Um, you know, a lot the who, what, when, where's and why's and uh, make sure that if they're interested, if they would like to reach out to you or at least um, to your department to get more information, how they can do that. Okay, sure. So uh, like Jason said, this is a one day, this is going to be a one day workshop on 24th of August and it's about acute disaster response and preparedness. So if you attend the workshop, you would be prepared to deal with a disaster. You would be, you would know what it takes to, be, what it means to be prepared for a disaster. And then what are the ABCs of responding in such a situation and also helping the other victims. 
And uh, if you want to read, so this is open for the ISU students at all levels and also for the healthcare professionals working in the same area who can attend the workshop at DRC in ISU. So it's, um, it's going to be in-person workshop. So if you can make take out the time for one day, do go ahead, register, and I'm sure you will have a lot to take home. So real quick, again, we want to make sure you get all the important information about the acute disaster response and preparedness workshop that's scheduled for August 24th. The time is from uh, that day will be 9 a.m. and it'll end at 4.30 p.m. Um, and you want to be sure to check out our, the website um, at cetrain.isu.edu. Go ahead and just in the search bar, type in disaster workshop or disaster, and it'll take you right to the page to register. Dr. Misha, thank you very much for um, being on the show today. I um, want to tell you, thank you for sharing uh, kind of your personal and professional story with us. It was very inspiring. Um, and to, to think that, uh, um, you know, I guess, I guess the one comment I have is, uh, you're invested in changing systems and systems do not change easily or quickly. So you have uh, picked a um, very ambitious and um, consuming project. So I want to encourage you and, tell, and say thank you for encouraging me with that story. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Paul, for your time. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. And with that being said, you can reach us at 208. You can call us at 208-282-3372. Hey, Paul, I got the phone number down. I know. I know. Misha, <laughs> I, I messed that phone. I've been doing what I say, 130 episodes. And I would say that, well, about 80% of them, I forget the phone number. So oh <laughs> phone out, phones, who uses them? <laughs> who uses a phone? Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to make that on a t-shirt. I'm going to put that on my t-shirt. Um, and then you can catch us on our website at cetrain.isu.edu, or you can email us at cetrain at isu.edu and just ask for more information. Uh, Dr. Misha, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.